0: everyone, and welcome to the Uncorked Corner podcast. We are excited to be here today with our friends at Idle Time up in Vermont. We're, we have Claudia and Will here. Uh, I'm also here with my co-host Nick, as you guys know. We'll get started by having you both introduce yourselves. Uh, I know you want to go one at a time, so whoever wants to kick us off.
1: Hi, I'm uh, Will Gilson. i the brewmaster here at Idle Time. Um, we've been going since 2015 um, in a small eight and a half- uh, barrel brew house. Um, We only sell in Vermont. Uh, We offer uh, draft cans, bottles, growlers, things like that. We've got a big beer garden and uh, we're excited to chat with you guys and tell you a little bit more about what we do. Uh,
2: I'm Claudia. I am the marketing manager and event coordinator here at Idle Time. I've been here for a little over a year and a half and I'm loving every minute of
1: it.
3: And for anyone listening right now, just to let you know, they are live in the brew pub. So if you hear any background noise, that is uh perfectly okay. They're enjoying <laughs> it. And um glad we get to have some people that are enjoying the beer. Uh, and we're just so wishing just
0: we were it. in the environment with you guys. So <laughs>
3: <laughs> I know to kick into it. Um Bianca and I actually got a chance to visit Idle Time in person a few months ago and we got to Check out the very room there and now the brew pub area, the old brew pub. It was my favorite room, I loved it. Definitely had an old time kind of cozy pub feel. And uh, we really enjoyed visiting. You also have sort of a chic uh, modern restaurant feel um, with a really cool decor, awesome outdoor bar and outdoor seating and everything. So it's definitely worth a visit next time you are in Stowe or in the Vermont area, it's worth a drive. I
1: think Bianca had found you. She's smiling still. So she must have fun when she came.
0: <laughs> we had a lot of fun. We, we loved trying all the different beers you have and the food was incredible. Uh, we don't need to get all into that, but we absolutely loved everything that we had. Um, and we were there on a slightly chilly day, but it was still really nice sitting outside because you guys have those space heaters. Uh, we didn't really have that indoor experience, but I loved the, the decor and everything as Nick said. It was just such a great place.
1: And you got to meet Claudia. That's yeah. a great time. Yeah.
0: <laughs> the best tour guide
1: you've had. <laughs> oh, good. Thanks. And I give tours too, so you know you've got a double tour guide here. Awesome. Um, so what we do here in house is, you know, we do uh, brew tours by appointment or chance. And I've had people that have traveled all over the world, and you know, I had some guys that were had just been in Europe and had been in Duval a week before and over in Belgium and they said that was the best brew tour we've ever had. So kudos to us for setting it up. But what we do is we have it set up um, with a series of pictures on my iPad and we just go through it on Keynote so you can kind of understand the process. People brew beer all over the world. We do it a little bit differently. And our neighbors, other some great breweries here in town, they do it their own way as well. And that's one of the reasons why the beer tastes the way it does. It's not only the brewer or the chef, It's the water and the ingredients and how we mix it together. So uh, we're pretty excited about
3: that. Yep, you're definitely in a great spot for craft beverages in general with beer, cider. Uh, We tried to try a bunch of them, obviously, while we were there and took some home. But uh, definitely everyone has something to write home about. And um, definitely worth visiting if you're big into craft beer, food in general. So what are some outside of the brewery? Um, Just for anyone visiting Stowe, obviously, uh, what
1: is your favorite
3: things to do there? What can people
1: experience in the area? You know, I, I've been a brewer for, uh, for many years and I've kind of specialized in ski towns. Um, I was a ski bum in Utah when I got my first job um, in downtown in Salt Lake. I lived up in the mountains up in Alta and then I uh, was making beer there as a, as a hobby and it became a career. Um, next I was in Jackson Hole. So I was obviously skiing and mountain biking and fishing and doing all those things that you can do in jackson hole um
2: in Stowe. personally my ultimate favorite thing to do uh trap family lodge i'm a huge i do snowboard and ski and i love going to the mountain um but i've gotten really into cross-country skiing in the last couple years and there's some really great trails here in Stowe. and one of my favorites is the trap family lodge because you can actually ski down to the beer hall the only downside is it's an uphill journey back to this (laughs) so you know, you got to be really ready for that, mentally prepared, but skiing to the beer hall is such a cool experience, and that's one of my favorite things to do.
1: Yeah, I'm, you know, just if we're going to blow the horn of our neighbors, you know, very close by is our friends at the Alchemist, and uh, over there in the golf course, every once in a while, they drive around with a the groomer there, so I can walk across the street with my dog and and uh, skate ski on those uh, free trails right there that are right in town, so we've got the bike path out back, we've got You know, major ski area in Stowe, right up the road. um, That's really starting to get going with the fresh snow that we've had. And uh, gosh, yeah, that I'm big on Nordic skiing. We ski a lot of, you know, scare ourselves on skinny skis.
2: Um, Stowe Mountain Resort. They have a really fabulous ice rink, and it's open to the public, so you don't have to be at the resort. And I believe it's free
1: for everybody. And it's really
2: cute. It's got all the lights and.
1: Oh, they play music and they yeah. zamboni it and it, you know it's small but they they groom it and you can rent skates there if you don't have your own skates so that's the insider tip: bring your own skates <laughs> sit on the comfy couch and go skating we've done it as locals on new year's eve we've done it at different times so um just before christmas we did have some good pond skating but we've had too much snow since so we're skiing on the skiing Nick
0: Nick and I love skiing and snowboarding but we don't do it nearly as much as we'd like to and it certainly does not look like it does in Vermont so I feel like we don't get the same experience we'll definitely have to come back And, and so for us when we go on vacation we we were there in the fall so it wasn't really that season yet but we took full advantage of all of the breweries, all of the places to eat. Stowe is a great area. I feel like there were so many different neighborhoods around that we could really pop around and visit so many places. And as Nick said, we brought more than we probably needed home. So <laughs> you guys were almost sold out when we were there. We couldn't bring much home at the time, but uh, we got to try a lot there. So that was a, a big, big plus.
1: Yeah, because we're small, we you know we sell out quite often, you know, with with just, you know. With a little less traveling right now we're we're holding on to our beer a little bit longer um, but yeah at times we'll package it And before we get to package again in like a month's time um, we'll run out so it definitely happens So do you want to get into talking a little bit about the beers sure yeah do you want to talk about the 10 beers we have on tap or do you want to talk about specific beers it's really up to you
3: yeah so uh what i always like to do is talk about your maybe the flagship stuff the stuff that's always on rotation that you guys have going and then also get into anything that's seasonal or special or limited edition that you have going right now or just anything that's upcoming that you're really excited about. Um, I know you were experimenting with some, I think there were barrel aged vanilla porters last time we were there. Um, you were getting those going. I know I saw those in the websites. So maybe we can talk a bit about those. I know I'm
1: excited to hear about them. Yeah, so we do have, um, you know, I can talk about that first because you brought it up and then I'll, we can jump into the main lineup. But. Uh, Um, Actually, what we have is we have, um, gosh, I didn't have the porter at the time. Um, What I have in the barrels when the imperial stout came out, I put in um, some dunkel lager, which is just a slightly dark lager um, that's in there. And we're really interested to see how the little bit of residual, um, not only oakiness, but um, from the imperial stout being in there um, will make that it's going to be, I think, I think we're get a slightly oaky sort of Schwarz beer out of it. Um, and it was one of those things that we had some extra beer. didn't all fit in the tank and we were going to compost it or use it in the barrel. Um, and it's always a little bit of a crapshoot when you use a barrel for a second time. Um, that's why we quite often use uh, the, the uh, first usage barrels. Um, they can turn into get some flavors that you're not uh, as big a fan of, um, but uh Yes, we actually did the Dunkle that time. And then for specialty beers that we put into 22 ounce bottles. And right now we've been getting our bottles from Europe because the um, American bottles have just been really poor quality. Um, they've engineered them so much to make them lightweight um, that they've lost durability um, and have, you know, if you into the beer blogs or anything like that, uh, Sierra Nevada on the East coast had a huge, um, coast-wide coast uh, recall of glass. So that's one of the reasons cans have become so popular. If You have a bottle on a shelf, um, it breaks its metal. it's dangerous. If you have a can, it's just kind of fountaining and you've, you've lost your beer and you better drink it pretty quick because it's coming out. Mm-hmm. So um, I can get into the 10 beers that are on tap. So I mentioned that I've been brewing for a number of years um, before Claudia nudged me out here. Um, I was in North Conway for 12 years, uh, also a ski town. Um, When the skiing isn't as good, we go um, cross-country skiing and scare ourselves on skinny skis, and when the powder comes, we try to head to the mountains. So being right here, we got a chance to do both of those things. Um, But in all my years of brewing, I've never worked on a a brewing system as nice as what we have here. We've got a state-of-the-art German-engineered brewing system that was shipped over to us and installed in the pub. And um, it's 10 hectoliters, and it does anything and everything. It's really amazing how efficient it is. Um, and really important and close to my heart is on my mom's side is German, is our German beers taste traditional. When the German comes in and they try our beers, they don't give you big compliments, they're not jumping up and down, they just say quietly, you could sell this beer in Germany. So with that compliment, I mean, I, 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 that makes me feel really happy. And we've got a number of lagers. So I'll just bang them out right now. We've got the Helles Brook lager, which is a classic, um, Helles, um, golden lager, um, very quaffable. Um, it's what you see them in beer gardens in Munich, drinking by the leader. Um, we drink them in our beer garden too, but we go by pint. That's kind of the size that we do. Um, the dry hopped, uh, lager that's on is the Pilsner, um, traditional um, German hops in there, but kind of hop more like we hop our IPAs um, and our pale ales. Um, there's a, a popular name of a Vermont, like the Vermont pale ale. Um, it's become a style and Vermont brewers are kind of protective of that. But what we do, here's the secret. If you're trying to mimic us, we put a ton of hops in. That's why you know, you're tasting that. That's why my Zog's pale ale Taste in the direction of Sierra Nevada's pale ale, but it's a lot bigger. And back in the you know 90s, 90s when I first started brewing in '95 professionally, um, we would make a beer like a Sierra Nevada pale ale. That was the classic style. It was hoppy. It was um, a nice firm bitterness. It was a fairly light mouth feel. It was it was a nice beer. Um, the pale ales of today, many people will come in and say if you you know call that an IPA, you'll sell. And for some, it is a session IPA because it's lower alcohol, it's big on the hops. And you've really seen in national competition the definition of uh, what a pale ale is and what a session IPA really overlap in terms of alcohol content, in terms of aroma, bitterness, all sorts of things like that. So for us, it's still a pale ale, it's just big and juicy and we love it. How, how's that for the loggers? Is that enough of the loggers there? Yeah.
0: <laughs> <laughs> and you guys have those, what do you call them, brew skis?
1: Yeah, so we've got, yeah, like a, well, we started with a ski, right, because it was like shaped as a ski, and it was six beers, and we still do that, but snowboarding is really big. We have to say, you know, give kudos to all the snowboard companies that are in and around Vermont. They get people down the hill, too. Um, and uh, we have the it's a snowboard, basically 10, you know, 10 four ounce, five ounce samples of beer. So all 10 at one time, which is pretty cool. And people share them, and, you know, hopefully they're being careful in this day and age, but uh, sharing we're sharing them. There were definitely some them all
0: that we've had of the setup wise. It was great. And for anyone who didn't see it, we shared a photo of it. So <laughs> we'll share more. We took lots, but. um, They were all so great and the food was just incredible and i i just keep thinking about it so
1: (laughs) it's it's like the beer starts in fresh fresh ingredients in terms of you know keeping your ingredients um constant having the same people prepping in the back keeping it you know real similar with the recipes finding recipe you like and 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 making it the same Um, when we do the same thing in the in the brewery you know when i do have an assistant i really want to train them to be able to make the beer just like I do that it tastes just the same and that's that's really just to do things my way not only using the ingredients but but uh moving the beer through the stages the same way that I do um and we try to do that in the kitchen and uh, you know keep our eyes on things and we had a, a pretty busy summer outside because everybody wanted to be outside we had very little rain so the bird hunting was fine was fantastic in the fall but uh you know it was a great season out there Um, and you kind of are asking about beers so i can keep going through the different beers we generally have three different yeasts in the house and that makes our beer taste different Um, sometimes you will go into a brew pub and all their beers will taste similar you may love all their beers you may hate all their beers but sometimes that element that you're tasting may be the yeast character the more hops we throw in the more bitterness we're going to put in the more um, you're going to cover that yeast character but if you have a beer that isn't bittered as much or isn't hopped as much as you get in higher alcohol, you're really going to taste that beer. So say, for example, I make a Bavarian wheat beer the whole year long. You can come in generally anytime and get that wheat beer. And people say it's one of the best ones around. So thank you for that. But if you don't like the flavor of that wheat beer, you don't like that banana ester, clovey, bubblegum sort of direction of Belgian-y type yeast, even though it's blown across Europe, Europe um, then you're not gonna like the vice beer. So by putting that yeast in the vice beer and in our Danube, our blueberry wheat beer, they have a certain taste. Then if we ferment them with a uh, uh, lager yeast or ale yeast. Um, so really that's the other yeast. And then the third yeast is a is a um, is a hard work ale yeast we use and that's in our pink pail, which is a beer first with grapefruit juice in it. Um,
2: It's my favorite of all time. I loved it before I worked here, and I will continue to love it long after. Boys,
1: (laughs) boys, girls, young and old, people love the Pink and Pale. It has a little bit more of a profile. I wouldn't say like a cocktail, but when hops are fruity, and you have a fruity IPA or any of those beers, it has a certain sort of nose to it. Um, There's a certain dryness and a certain um, fruitiness that comes through with the Pink and Pale, which we actually feed to the yeast halfway through fermentation. So we still don't blow all the aroma out, but it's gonna eat up those sugars. So it's hopefully not cloying in the mouthfeel. Um, The next one is the, our classic Zog's Pale Ale. It's named after a mountain bike trail. That's right down the road. We've got world-class mountain biking here in Stowe um, and other places in Vermont. Um, Had a couple in today. They were fat biking on those trails, on the Zog trail today. Um, they didn't have studs on their mountain bike, but they had a great time on it. And it might have been easier than it is in the summer because it's a pretty rooty trail. So that's the Zog's Pale Ale. Um, and then we actually have two double IPAs right now. We've got our Idle Time double IPA, 8%, big and juicy, fairly dry in the body, but mostly dry hopped with Simcoe. So it has a certain amount of fruitiness in the, um, in the aroma and a firm bitterness. And then the double time, uh, in that in those first years that we were open, we couldn't get enough Simcoe to make as many batches of idle time that we wanted. So instead of say bastardize, change the recipe of the idle time, we said, okay, we're only gonna make five batches of idle time for the rest of the year. Let's make a second double IPA and be able to experiment it. So that one's seen a lot more changes. It's bigger, it's dank, um, it's what, some people would call more of a, a West Coast IPA. Um, it's 8%. It's made in the Vermont style in terms of the amount of hops that we put in is very similar to the uh, Double Time. It's just different varietals, a blend of different varietals, and it's it's a little skunky. It's a little, it's people like it. Skunky in a good way, not skunky in a, a Dutch way. The uh, No Porter, um, getting into the dark beers that No Porter is on. Um, really try to balance that beer so that the, the body is fairly dry without being too dry. Um, but then putting in real vanilla beans. So you've got this wonderful aroma of vanilla beans that, uh, by using the real beans, it's hopefully very, you know, really well rounded. Um, and people dig that we, that's one of the ones that we just did a really short canning run. This is you're listening on, uh, on the computer. So I mean, a short run for us is like 30 cases. And a regular run for us is like 60 to 80 cases, so we're kind of sneaking these in and testing the market and kind of using some of the labels we have and uh, giving people something new. And by the time production's done with this, we're I'm going to release a a oatmeal stout in cans, so we're real excited for that. Um, The pure stouts in the 20 ounce bottles, but uh, those are our options coming up here. Very cool.
3: Now here's a question. I don't know how we've gone this long without having it answered, but uh, I have never been explained the difference between an IPA and a pale ale. Can you break that down for us and tell us sort of why those two are separate in style?
1: Yeah, it's, you know, it starts from the original pale ale. So when, when India was a colony, the India pale ale was India, you know, India, they were sending beer to the troops because they wanted a taste from home. But they kept sending them the traditional beers that they drank at the time, which are low alcohol, quite often live ales, where the beer is lower alcohol. It gets put in the cask, it finishes fermenting, and then goes to India. And because of the low alcohol, they kept opening these casks of beer, and the beer was back. So what the brewers did, was they said, well, they knew that hops were preservative. They put more hops in it, and they boosted the alcohol. So the beer starting to get to India wasn't spoiling, so that made them happy. And for you know, for that time, the the, the pale ale wasn't as bitter, it wasn't as hoppy. The, the hop, hops that we use today didn't exist. These hybridized hops with the big juicy pineapple, you know, citrus with its you know sort of grapefruity taste—they didn't exist. And depending where you are, the terroir, the the hops that they have in um, New Zealand and Tasmania, and Australia a little bit, and other places. Tastes very different than hops that they're grown in different places. So that's that's pretty interesting. But I ramble. Where was I? Is oh, it a the good story? Oh, the
2: IPA, the IPA. the IPA. And...
1: So as I said, I started brewing in the 90s. Um, so different people made their version of IPAs. And there was a brewery that existed on the top of Lake Winnipesaukee. They had an incredible um, water well. I don't know how many gallons a minute they got, but they bottled water there and they sold it the whole coast. And right alongside was a small brewery called Castle Springs. And they made a brewery that um, Mitch Steele wrote in his book about IPAs, about the Lucknow IPA. And that was just a great example of the style. It was a, um, it it was like kind of at the time, take a Sierra Nevada Pale Ale, bitter it up more Bring the alcohol content up, and that's what the pale ale of the '90s were. And then, as more craft breweries opened, people kind of really started throwing in the wingdings. I'm going to do this. I'm going to do that. And I'm going to throw in this much. And um, the aromas that we're getting out of the hops these days are just—they're mind blowing. You know, I don't—I don't think you know if you could write a song and sing all the names of the different hops that exist. I, friggin' long song and uh it would get into numbers because what they started doing initially is they gave a hop a name so there's a hop that we use you know in the brewery because it's has a real strong bitterness um it's it's or a little bit like an onion um it's dank it's all different things it's called CTZ and some people called it Columbus some people called it tomahawk some people called it Zeus and all these different growers, are like, oh, this is Zeus. This is so it became known as CTZ. And um, what they start doing after that is just numbering the hops. This hop has a number. You can buy it. We can give it to you in any form. Um, but um, we're not going to give it a name until people really want it. We may just till this under and not use it ever again. Maybe it doesn't isn't disease resistant. It, it's only good for two years, you know, or whatever. So that happened but to get back to your point your question was that the pale ale is generally lower alcohol and the ipa is usually higher alcohol. you know for a time it was kind of that seven percent range if it was like seven percent it was a um american ipa If it was less than that it was a higher alcohol pale ale we usually kept our pale ales under six percent so um, when I was in Wyoming, we made a beer called Custer's Last Dale, and for us, it was um, what, what, what category was it? We sent it to the Great American Beer Festival in a different category because so we thought it fit the description better. And my point earlier was, over the years, as more breweries have opened, and more people have made new beers, and, and new beer styles have come up the definition of the beer styles that we know have morphed so say 15 years ago there wasn't a session ipa right 15 years ago john kimmick of the alchemist he was making a black ipa at the vermont pub and brewery and they're pretty much credited for the black ipa but for the black ipa to become a style that's only been a couple years um that they've seen that so um how bitter it is the aroma, the general balance, the general color, you know. When we kind of create, we get a little crazy and create a new style, it sometimes it's a substyle of something, and then sometimes it comes into a style on itself because there's so many entries, you know, because black IPA is probably style now. Where when it first came out, it was just probably a substyle. IPA dark or something, you know. The bus entry. So did that answer your question? I kind of rambled. Yeah, a bit. no, definitely.
3: And I'm sure we could go all day talking about all the different variations of IPAs and everything that they're having. Yeah. Now. yeah. And uh, but definitely uh, answered my question when it comes to differentiating those two, like the Pale Ale and the IPA, where the IPA is definitely going to be more bitter with the higher alcohol.
1: Yeah, and for me as a professional yep. brewer, if I really wanted to know, I would get a copy of the Great American Beer Festival, you know, say last year or this year. How they define the different beers. And I think there's super accomplished homebrewers out there that are, you know, hopefully they're not making more than 300 gallons because that's all I make at a time. But um, you know, they have access, you have access to that as well. Um at the Brewers Association based in Boulder, you could look into those guidelines and and see how the definition has morphed of any style.
3: And uh when it comes to actually learning how to brew the beers, did you learn yours starting with home brewing, or did you start with your first job, kind of in the brewery, and just sort of learn in more of an apprentice style?
1: Yeah, I was I was an accomplished all grain brewer that was tired of buying grain one pound at a time at the homebrew shops. Um, when I lived in Utah, Utah can be um, quite interesting. There's a real strong counterculture, but when I first got there, home brewing, uh, homebrew shops, homebrewing was illegal. But there were homebrew shops, so you go buy the stuff, but you couldn't legally do it. And then you know, just just for talking Utah. When I first got to Utah, all the alcohol was sold in nip bottles. So if you were going to a club, you bring your, you go buy the liquor in nip bottles. I'll have fifteen rums, please, and you go and get a coke at the place and pour it yourself. So laws have morphed just like the recipes have morphed. Uh, but we're not in utah we are in beautiful vermont lots of maple syrup um some of us put maple syrup in our beer some of us will make the beer and put in maple syrup others will take the sap right out of the tree and make a batch of beer it. different results local ingredients besides hops which we're seeing i think one of the largest uh We've got a really large hop farm here in Vermont now, which is cool to see and more grain being grown. And for me as a brewer, I'd like to use more local grains uh, as well as hops.
0: And you've both been there for a little bit. So Claudia, what is what is your role there? And what have been like your favorite things that you've done that your highlights that you guys have done in the past couple of years? Um,
2: so I think my favorite thing about working at idle time, you know, right (laughs) before COVID when we were doing events, um, I've always been like a sucker for anything weddings, you know, listening to speeches from parents and, you know, vows to different couples. And I'm, you know, I'm always that person that's like in the background, like this is beautiful, just like crying a lot. So I just, I love seeing I don't know. I just love celebrating love. And I think it's super cool. You know, event coordinator. I mean, there's a lot of things, technical things that I have to be aware of and responsible for. But at the end of the day, I'm celebrating love and I'm celebrating a good time and I'm doing it at a great restaurant that serves awesome beer. We definitely have our own style. And, you know, I see people with all sorts of different styles, weddings, rehearsal dinners, corporate dinners, you know, local groups. Um and hopefully we can get back to that, you know, once covid subsides and you know, we get back to some form of normalcy. So I I'd, I'd say that's my favorite part of the job is just being with people and being able to experience all the love and excitement, you know, it's a special day a special day or a special evening and you know, when people come to me and, you know, they say it without you, it wouldn't have been as magical. I mean, that's everything for me. You know, I really enjoy that part of my job. I think most of all,
1: yeah, we've yeah. Really upped our game in terms of, you know, what we're offering. And, and one of the things that uh, Claudia brings to the table is she's, she's had a lot of experience in, um, in design. So, you know, when people come in and we've had, she said, made some great posters of, of what it could look like if you like it you know to be very white you know this sort of thing with the tables set up and you know both inside and out we've been able to uh let people know what we can do and and i definitely enjoy that um and definitely looking forward to uh, um non-covid time when we're back chatting with people and we get to chat with people a little bit for sure but uh to be able to plan a special event um i think claudia was saying a lot of her events that we're planning for last year just say we're just going to get married in a year from now or we're going to move our residence dinner for a year from now so you know we're looking for those to to come back because not only the mountains are beautiful it's it's uh, we love being outside in the summer the days are long and yeah we embrace um,
2: it up to speaking of design actually another it's a great point another like favorite part of my job i went to college for graphic design and uh As a millennial, I never thought I'd see the day where I'd be using my degree, but here I am not only using my degree, (laughs) but um, doing other parts of this job that I love, like the event coordinating, like the marketing, being responsible for merchandise and the design of that merchandise and posters for events. You know, it's just, it's, it's wild. I got everything I wanted in a job and more, so... Yeah, and That's I, and since, awesome.
1: Yeah, since Claudia's been here and just having the not only choice, but the colors and good designs on t-shirt, I'm sure we sell a lot more um, idle time wear since she's been here and she's been given a good budget. And she's really run with it. So it's really fun for you see people come in because it really starts conversations. And, you know, if I'm out snow blowing or whatever, I'm like, oh, yeah, I'm the brewer too. And they're just like, we'll get back at it. No beer in, out here. so.
3: And you're both clearly very passionate about the community, about the restaurant, about the beer, so I'm sure that helps your jobs a lot and you can really have fun and run with it and it probably makes it a lot more rewarding
1: as well. Yeah, We really hope that we have good snow um, for the time that they race from the top of Mount Mansfield on skinny skis and go all the way to town. It's called the Stowe Derby and it's generally later in the season and if we get a spring thaw it can wash out the trail that's right behind the brewery which is a walking path in the summer um, but we love to be able to, to root people on and stand within our fenced-in area with a beer and just shake the cowbells at them
0: <laughs> well this has been a really great conversation and everyone has heard so much about your beers Um, and a bunch of other things, Vermont, and you guys. And it was great to have everybody get to meet you. Uh, As we said, we had such a good time up there and can't wait to come back. Uh, But if you would like to share where we can find you on social media and online, we will also put all of that information in the description of the podcast.
2: Awesome. Well, you can find us on Instagram, uh, handle at Idle Time Brewing. And you can find us on Facebook, Idle Time Brewing Company um and then our website is also idletimebrewing.com. and you can access our instagram and our facebook from there um and you know again or you can stop it and say hello
3: (laughs) there you go and uh you guys make it easy keep everything the same but we'll have links down below in the description so you can head there uh whether you're watching this on youtube or on any of the podcasting apps it'll be easy to find you guys
2: It's awesome. Thank you so much. This was really fun.
3: Thank you again. We had a great time. Happy New Year.
2: To a better New Year. (laughs) Cheers, Cheers, you guys. Thank you.
0: Be sure to follow us on social at Uncorked Corner and on the blog at uncorkedcorner.com for a taste of more food and beverage content.
3: And if you enjoyed the show, don't forget to leave a comment, subscribe, rate, and review on whatever podcast platform you prefer. Thanks for listening.